This is L.I. in the A.M. with Jay Oliver. News, traffic, weather, and more. 1039 L.I. News Radio. Well, this one could be the trial of the century. Talking about the El Chapo trial, talking about David Schwartz. He is a uh, New York criminal defense attorney. He's a former prosecutor and partner over at Gotham uh, Government Relations. And uh, we welcome David to the airwaves right here on L.A. News Radio. Sir, how are you? Good to be here. Good to have you. And, uh, you know, listen, this could be quite a trial, David. And you talk about you talk about security galore. I can't even imagine uh, what is going to be happening here as uh, prosecutors and defense lawyers are getting ready a little bit later on to deliver opening statements uh, in the uh, trial here of Joaquin El Chapo Guzman. Of course, one of the world's most notorious criminals accused of spending a quarter of a century smuggling cocaine into uh, the United States. You know, you talk about security uh, situations beyond. I can't even imagine, Dave. Yeah, I've tried uh, many, many cases, both as a former prosecutor with the Brooklyn DA's office and as a criminal defense attorney. And from what I see, there's there's been never anything like this. Uh, you know, everything from closing down the Brooklyn Bridge to closing down, um, you know, areas around the courthouse, the amount of security, um, just bringing him to and from court from the Manhattan uh, detention facility. It's, it's, it's quite an operation. It's going to cost the government, uh, you know, tens of millions of dollars to try this case. But obviously, um, you know, criminal activity spanning over three decades, murder, you know, drug gangs, uh, you know, seems like over 200,000 people have been killed over over the three uh, decades. Just staggering. It is. And I tell you, I, I give uh, I give a lot of credit to the jurists, you know, to, to really being questioned. Uh, the, you know, seven women, five men to determine whether he's guilty on uh, what, 11 or so trafficking firearms, money laundering charges. You know, you could have a a four month plus trial, according to. You know, according to some who have stated this, and, you know, you talk about these jurors for a second, you know, to be kept anonymous under some razor-tight security protocols, partially sequestered, uh, escorted to, I would imagine, to and from court every day by armed U.S. Marshals. I mean, you know, a lot of times, you know, we, we get the notices in the mail and we try and negate it as quickly as possible. Uh, I give credit to these 12. You know, you're talking about, sure. you know, you're, t- you're talking about uh, everything you would think about as far as, you know, being a security type deal here. Look, it, you know, serving as a juror is, um, it, you know, it, it really should be an honor to serve as a juror. But obviously, um, you know, you got to pick the right 12, you know, and there's probably uh, four alternates as well. So you're picking about 16 people. And it's tough to get a fair uh, jury on a on a case like this with all the uh, with all the press and and everyone that's heard about this case. That's a big challenge for criminal defense attorneys in a case like this because no matter who is at going to trial, everybody is entitled to the presumption of innocence, and everybody is entitled to having the government held to their burden of proving guilt beyond a reasonable doubt. And we can't lose sight of that, no matter how heinous the crime is. No matter who it is, that's that's really the crux of our criminal justice system and our Constitution. So on that side, it's very tough. Now, the point that you just mentioned, uh, yeah, obviously, 
um, most people, the, the vast majority of people, would not want to serve in a case like this. And I'm sure uh, jury selection took a very long time because you had to weed out uh, lots and lots of people who just refused to serve on a case like this. It's, it's scary for them, but there is a certain mentality out there that the service is so vital to this country, and, and hopefully those are the people that we got on this jury, along with the ideal that they are giving this criminal defendant the presumption of innocence until he's proven guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. Talking with David Schwartz, you're talking about the El Chapo trial getting underway today, opening statements. I mean, let's kind of break it down a little bit, uh, David. You know, you look at that uh, Guzman has pled not guilty, and but you look at the evidence here, it's overwhelming. The government has presented so much of this stuff. I think it's more than 300,000 pages, if I read correctly, and at least over 117,000 recordings that the defense complains they haven't had enough time to review it all. Is, is that a possibility that the defense can at least present to the judge to buy more time? The fact that there is just so much evidence, overwhelming evidence, it seems, that they, you know, how do you, how do you possibly review all of that stuff? Do they have a case you, in that regard? You, you can't review it all, and it, it's impossible. And they do have a good point. They, they, have, a, they have an excellent point. And, but this judge has now moved this case to trial. But that point is certainly, you know, if and when the uh, El Chapo is found uh, guilty of these crimes and he's convicted, uh, that's going to be an issue for the uh, for the Court of Appeals, for the Second Circuit. Uh, that's certainly going to be an appealable issue that the defense did not have adequate time to review all the material. And, and certainly, you know, with, with that volume. And, and, you know, that's a big problem. In, in our system of justice and you know this case is probably a bad example because of but but in, in in a regular case where you know a person can't afford counsel and they have appointed counsel and they're required to go through hundreds of thousands of pages of documents it's um it, you know in my opinion that person's not getting a fair trial and i think that's that's a big problem with our system also, the poisoning of the jurors is a big problem with our criminal justice system right now, where a case gets so much pretrial press, um, you know, I believe it's a major, major problem. And not necessarily for this case, but there are other cases where I believe criminal defendants are not getting a fair trial. You know, when you think about all the evidence that's being presented, the 300,000 documents, pages, recordings, 117,000 or so, you know, the one thing, you know, if you're on the prosecution side, I would think David Schwartz would be make sure that you turn everything over. I mean, the one thing you don't want to be accused in the middle of a trial is some sort of prosecutorial misconduct. You know, you want to make sure you turn over everything. You know, you don't want to leave a stone unturned because, you know, one little slip up, one little piece of evidence that has not been turned over uh, could could result in maybe, you know, lesser charges. You know, I mean, you, you got you have to protect yourself. We have seen this so many times in the court, especially here on Long Island. That's one thing. If you're on the prosecution side, you want to make sure you you dot I's and cross T's pretty much. No question about it. That, and that's reversible error. You know, that that could reverse 
a, a conviction in this case. So, you know, where you don't turn over a piece of discovery, a piece of evidence, that's going to be a big deal. That could that could uh, be the cause for a mistrial right on the spot. And even if there is a conviction, that that's another basis to overturn the verdict later on in the Court of Appeals. There's also, you know, uh, Brady material, which is known as material that's going to be favorable to the defense. So if there's anything in the prosecutor's files or within their scope of, uh, uh, of access, within their scope of access, if there's anything that would benefit the defense and, it, and it's found out later on that they didn't turn it over, um, that's, a, that's a big, big problem. And that could, that could certainly lead to reversible error, which would um, uh, give cause to a new trial. No question. David Schwartz breaking down the El Chapo trial starting today, opening statements. You know, I'll tell you one thing with these witnesses. I don't know how they're going to do it. Uh, You know, you got more than a dozen of the several hundred witnesses uh, in this trial to testify. I mean, when you think about it, David Schwartz, what are they in witness protection programs? They have to be or maybe already incarcerated, uh, housed in special wings, I would think. Uh, to protect them from uh, some sort of reprisal. I mean, you know, you talk about left and right coming into play uh, from all avenues here as far as witnesses. Uh, That also uh, has to be a major problem uh, just for the court in general to make sure they show up on time to get them from wherever they're housed. I mean, they're all over the place here. Sure. You know, you mentioned the jurors. That's one aspect. But certainly the witnesses uh, to testify in a case like this, it's just um, it's an unbelievable burden on the on the witnesses, but also on the prosecution. You know, think about everything that they have to go through here to put this case uh, together. But, hey, they have unlimited resources. The government has unlimited resources. The defense usually does not. So they have unlimited resources. They use their unlimited resources. And they're, they're usually pros at, at putting together cases like this wherever the witnesses are. There's witnesses in the witness protection program, uh, you know, witnesses that are, that are incarcerated right now that are getting deals. Um, yeah, they're all over the place. They're going to have to change their identities after this trial is over. And, um, but certainly the Fed, uh, the U.S. Attorney's Office has tremendous experience. In, in dealing with these matters. But you're right, it's a huge undertaking. David Schwartz with us. El Chapo starts today. I mean, how do you how do you fend off preconceived notions of any kind if, if you are a member of this jury? I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. You know, you're talking about a guy who's accused, David Schwartz, of leading the Sinaloa cartel, turning into the largest uh, criminal organization uh, on the planet. I mean, think about it. Extradited to this country last year after twice escaping from prison uh in mexico you know this is a guy he's considered the world's leading drug trafficker we know all about him uh since really the death of colombia's pablo escobar i mean when you think about it uh i mean it's unbelievable uh you know you're, you're talking about you know from uh from a 25 year period late 80s uh to around 2014 or so the cartel uh smuggling in what 150,000 plus you know uh, kilograms of of cocaine into this country heroin Mm. uh meth marijuana you know 
$14 billion as far as what it's worth? Uh, I mean, how do you possibly, how do you possibly stop preconceived anything as far as this jury is concerned? Listen, we read about them. It's social media beyond in this day and age. How do you you possibly think this jury is is going to be going to be somewhat neutral as far as their mindset is concerned? Yeah, I I find it impossible personally. I, I, you know, there there are definitely the methods during the voir dire during the jury selection where you question these jurors, and in federal court, the judge questions the jurors, not the attorneys. In which I don't really agree with that method, but. Um, the judge questions the jurors, and they promise that they could be fair and open-minded, and they promise that they uh, will give the uh, the the uh, the presumption of innocence to the to the to El Chapo to, to the defendant. They promise that they will hold the government to their burden of proving guilt beyond a reasonable doubt. And they promise that as they look at the defendant sitting there in the courtroom, you know, during the jury selection, that he's innocent. He's innocent when he sits there because the government has produced no evidence at that point of the case. So they promise all these things. They promise not to uh, look at social media. They promise not to read the newspaper. And they promise not to watch TV on the case. But I I just think, and I've written motions on this, and I've written a few articles on this as well, I, I I think the human condition, the human nature is, it's impossible that they're not going to look at their smartphone. It's just, you know, you're going to tell me, you know, a couple of those 12 people are not going to look at their smartphone and be influenced by social media. And, and I think that's where the defect is in the system. In the old days, all right, so you had, uh, you know, a, a couple of newspaper articles. There would be a 10-second a, a spot on the TV, usually not too damaging. You know, whatever, if they caught it, it wouldn't be that the biggest deal in the world. Now, with social media and smartphones and and the blogs and, of course, the, you know, what people write on social media is just overwhelming. And it's always towards the guilt of the defendants, never towards the innocence of the defendants. So I believe social media is ruining the fairness of our criminal justice system, and I've written about this. And I think what you bring up is, is really the, one of the biggest problems we have today, which people are not talking about, uh, is the poisoning of the jurors in this jury system. And, um, you know, the jury, the jury is, it, the courtroom is supposed to be a laboratory. It's supposed to be closed. It's not supposed to be influenced by, by outside sources. And unfortunately, it, it is. Um, in fact, I drafted a special charge to the jury I called it the fake news charge. Maybe that was the best wording for it. The judge didn't allow it in one of my recent trials. But but really, it's what you read on the internet are not firsthand firsthand accounts of the trial, and it's and it's and you can't trust it. So I, I was basically telling the judge that you know I'm going to assume that these jurors are going to look in their smartphones, and I want you to tell them that that you know they're not allowed to use the internet. But but if they ever see anything on the internet. That it, that that it's not a firsthand account, and that it's fake news. So he refused it in my case, but I thought it was very relevant. I I think you made a great point there. It's just impossible. Social. Listen, I always go. I always refer back in my own head to the Cosby case, the Andrea yeah. Constant deal, and uh, you know how can you 
fend off everything that you have read about Cosby, you know, the robe, the uh, the drug, the drinks, uh, and, and everything else. You know, how do you be objective? It's almost, it's impossible. It's impossible not to formulate your own opinion. That's what we do in life. We formulate opinions as far as yep. what we have all absorbed. It's impossible. But, you know, it's interesting when you look at this guy, you know, Guzman has been held. We know he's been held in solitary confinement, David. Uh, since Mexico extradited him in January 2017. It's a day, by the way, before Donald Trump actually took office. You know, he spends 23 hours a day in his cell. Uh, you know, listen, you wonder. You just wonder. As far as prosecutors, you know, they have spent years developing this case, piecing together a case that they hope will kind of end with this guy spending the rest of his life behind bars in a maximum security U.S. prison. I mean, really, that that to me is going to be the, the end result. I think anything short will be one of the biggest surprises in court history as far as big-time trials are concerned, don't you think? I, I Yeah, I, I, I agree 100%. Uh, this, his fate is already set in stone here. Uh, the prosecute, There's no way the prosecution can possibly... You know, lose this case or get or get some sort of lesser charges. Um, it's um, you know, look, it's they're doing their job. They're, they've they've done it well. They've they've put together this incredible case, and uh, it's certainly needed to protect the public from from this type of activity. Uh, but on the other hand, you know, we fall short in our in our jury system on on. You know, in this case, again, it's just such the shocking, outrageous, you know, you can't use these cases as the example. But there are there are definitely other cases out there where where, wow, it's you know, it's a you know, it's a much lesser crime. And the person just didn't even get a fair shot from the beginning. And that that's unfortunate. And that's not what our Sixth Amendment, you know, contemplated for a criminal defendant when, you know, when when our founding fathers, you know, invented the the right to a, a to a fair trial and and the right to, you know, passionate advocacy on the part of the defendant, to be faced with, you know, it's hard enough defeating or combating everything at trial that the prosecution puts up, but when you have to combat this entire internet and this entire social media world. It's just it becomes impossible, and I've and I've seen it multiple times now, and uh, it's a huge problem that needs to be addressed. It's going to be fascinating, you know the the thousands of pages, the recordings, uh, the the dollars seized or looking to fourteen billion dollars uh, plus. You know, you look at this jury uh, for this case. You know, four months plus is ex- expected to last. You know, a jury that was whittled down from o- almost a thousand. Our prospective panelists, just a fascinating uh, couple of components there. We'll be watching it all the way with David, and we'll have him back on. David Schwartz, of course, a star attorney, and uh, what a job uh, he has done. Uh, New York criminal defense attorney, former prosecutor and partner over at Gotham uh, Government Relations. Uh, David, we'll watch it closely. We'll talk soon. How's that? We, we will. I, I look forward to it. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thanks again. It's going to be, I tell you. Talk about security issues, okay? You know, you're talking about a renowned escaped artist who has, you know, sparked the largest daily law enforcement presence 
uh, this uh, this busy federal courthouse in Brooklyn, folks, has ever seen. Think about that. Think about shutting down the Brooklyn Bridge for for various times all throughout, bringing witnesses in. I mean, it's unbelievable. 